0: Final report of the commercial starship Nostromo. Third officer reporting. The other members of the crew Kane, Lambert, Parker, Brett, Ash, and Captain Dallas are dead. Cargo and ship destroyed. I should reach the frontier in about six weeks. With a little luck, the network will pick me up. This is Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromo, signing off. Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan,
1: and I'm Mario Ponzio, and this is episode forty-eight. Thank you for indulging us last week with our Stephen King soiree, as we uh, went through the pantheon of Stephen King. It was funny. I thought
0: about it today because I, you know, put the episodes ready to go for tomorrow, our final episode in Stephen King week. We did two, our, 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 you know, three days ago. We released listening this on Saturday. I guess that's true. We released three weeks worth of content in a week.
1: Yeah. We were just like, "Yep, well, we okay, have four hours here." And everyone's yes. just like, "Oh man, stop! This <laughs> is a lot." Um, but now we're back to the old grind, going back to the countdown. And uh, this past weekend, we had the TIFF Award go out, the Toronto International Film Festival. The People's Choice Award went to Jojo jo Rabbit, mm. which is interesting. Kind of, you know, Jojo Rabbit initially came out to some pretty divisive reviews tending towards the slightly negative. And then it turned around and, uh, won the people's choice. It's a movie that I'm, i mean, cause if you, if you I just is not like a major indicator anymore. N- like people that are trying to say like, it's a big indicator, it's but a in big past, indicator that it might be nominated for it might be nominated for best picture, yeah, but especially in the past with, the, ten with the 10 years, only 12 years of slave and green book, um, you know, have gone on to win the best picture. But mm-hmm. I think almost everything, uh, has been nominated, Silver Linings Playbook, like, on, I think every one of those, from Silver Linings Playbook 2012, on, has been mm-hmm. nominated. So, yeah, I could see that, but... And even a lot of runner-ups
0: got nominated as well, so the runner-ups were Parasite and Marriage Story, which everyone kind of agrees yeah, are, like, two of the best movies of the year so far.
1: IndieWire had a, um, kind of like a conglomeration... Of critics mm-hmm. uh, to kind of do a top polling of what they thought were the best narrative films, mm-hmm. um, and of those polls, the top five were Joker, uh, going up, Joker, Knives Out, Jojo Rabbit, Marriage Story, and Parasite. So mm-hmm. I, I think I think you're seeing a lot. Of the Storm come in before uh, Parasite.
0: I'm, I'm interested for this Jojo Rabbit thing because I won. I the reviews seem really weird, like the idea that it didn't go far enough, like. How far did you want it to go? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure, I'm not 100 sure what you're
1: looking for out of the satirical Hitler movie. Maybe Takawa Titi needed to like voice a character as well.
0: I mean, I thought it. And the trailers look pretty great, and they seem very humorous, and and it looks yeah, good, and think, it kind of feels good. But I mean, I'm
1: I'm sure it's going to hit some not necessarily controversial, but I'm sure it's going to be subversive in some ways. But you are still telling a story cycled around a kid in just a very tense circumstance. So it's going to have some of that kind of like lighter humor. And you see that lighter humor, especially like the explosion in the office. Mm -hmm. You know, I think maybe people weren't expecting that. They were expecting more of a and I wonder if that's what it Punched. is too—that people, like all the critics, like, they Phil- all saw Todd Phillips directing, and they're just like, "Ah, oh, we want this now. This is
0: what we want." Um, yeah, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's exactly what it is. Like, it just people just don't know what to do with it. So you know, but maybe it'll be one of those revisionist revisionist things that as we get closer to the Oscars, people will be like, "Oh, I figured it out." now. Yeah, I
1: don't think it's gonna be a, a situation that we had with Green Book last year, where you know, it's just it has I don't know. troublesome philosophy behind it, and you know, uh, no a, 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 a questionable ideology. G Not necessarily questionable ideology, but questionable uh, representation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, th- I think people were just kind of expecting something stronger, like sterner, I guess. And they were, we're expecting The that. Painted Bird, directed by Tiger Wikiti. Uh, yeah, I didn't know there was, there was a Varda by Angus uh, documentary too coming out. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, what was considered the second best documentary of Tiff, according to this Craigslist? Hmm. What was the first best? Uh, the first best was collective, which i haven 't also heard of.: I have three st- are pretty uh, documentary
0: well it 's funny because last year we had already done a documentary episode
1: until, I don't think at this point we had, I thought we did had, no, we had redo it later. We had done it later. but there like, was uh, like already five documentaries that yeah, were. This is a documentary light year yeah. so far. I could only think of American Factory as been the only kind of significant documentary well that
0: biggest little farm played at like every art house right, theater yeah, in the yeah, area for
1: way longer than and, it should and the have. Pavarotti and the Pavarotti the documentary, documentary. Yeah. the th- the one that everyone loved. Ron Howard just digging deep into the documentary they're showing it at our library in October oh boy are you 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 gonna be working that one I don't know we'll see <laughs> speaking of working sometimes when you work and you get off of work you want to have a nice beer and uh I believe when this episode drops, it's going to be either the first day or almost the first day of uh, fall. Episode drops on the 21st. I don't know when the first day of fall is this year. It will
0: be the first day of fall, yeah. Okay.
1: And fall brings with it Oktoberfest. I believe uh, often Oktoberfest is actually held in various cities sometimes in September. So this is appropriate. It is Hanging Hills. Uh, I've had a few Hanging Hills beers. Uh, Mm -hmm. I believe they're IPA. Um, The Metacomet. Metacomet is one of your... I love that one, yeah. One of your preferred drinkables. Um, this is the Dectoberfest Lager Beer. It is a 5.6 alcohol by volume. Uh, doesn't really say anything else, but I expect ambery malty goodness. <laughs> if any of you didn't get that, you had something totally different. Ooh. It smells like a beer hall. Mm. Kind of smells like the floor of a brewery, which I... Is not it sounds like a terrible thing, but it's not hmm. necessarily a terrible thing. Yeah, that's a good fest beer. That's a good like it is a solid lager, has a nice malt beginning, but it doesn't have that sweetness you often get with Oktoberfests.
0: No, but it's got a nice um to use the it's term nutty that you use It's used. very it nutty. It's got a nice mouthfeel. A little not with not creamy, but it's got a t it's got a nice body to it.
1: I don't I don't really notice that too much, but mm. I notice just like it's got a nutty flavor. It's a good fall. It's very fall-y. Mm. Um That's pleasant. That's just good. Might be drinking this kind of regularly.
0: Mm.
1: Do they have enough of it at your liquor store that you could get them regularly? They did. They had like seven of these. <laughs> Nobody. I gotta be honest. Lager fest beers are are not the most popular types of beers. No, especially in college towns. People are like five point four percent can't get fucked up on that. I got work to do. Yeah. Come on, buddies. Speaking about work to do, Colin Trevorrow, uh, deep in the midst of writing Jurassic World 3 and maybe another movie about... Uh, what was that movie? God, I can't even remember what it was. The, the super intelligent kid that dies of cancer in the middle.
0: Oh. That movie um, that everyone hated. Who else was in it?
1: I think Jacob Tremblay was in it. I don't know. Oh, you got You had to remember this one, right?
0: I don't remember the Cancer Kid, Colin Trevorrow movie. You had
1: to. Was, uh, why do I have to remember the? Because ki- it was apparently terrible, and I, I never saw it, so I guess I shouldn't be saying this. Um, man, why am I forgetting what this movie was called? The Book of Henry. No, nah, I didn't see The Book of Henry. It's apparently real bad. I did like Safety Not Guaranteed. Who else was in that? Was was that a Bruce Willis movie? No, um, I believe. Believe it was uh not Nicole Kidman um I've confused Naomi Watts frequently. Jacob Tremb- uh Jacob Tremblay
0: oh,
1: okay. Sarah, Sarah Silverman Dean Norris hmm,
0: that sounds like a weird movie
1: yeah apparently it wasn't good um anyways in preparation for you know uh, Jurassic World 3 the finale to this new trilogy of Jurassic World bullshit which is what 2021 <sighs> who knows um they released uh, on FX on September 15th, a new short film, Battle at Big Rock. Is it supposed to eat people food? It's a dinosaur. It eats what it wants. How did they get all the way up here? They migrate.
0: There was one in the woods named my school. Oh. The ranger said that we should just stay calm and wait for it to go away. You heard what happened up north.
1: Those are carnivores. That's an herbivore. That's How do you know? Because of the prince. Get your phone from me. (gasps) There's
0: another one.
1: A year after dinosaurs got released by a clone from Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. You guys remember that movie? Uh, A family of four, led by... Andre Holland, which is the only reason I wanted to talk about this movie, and uh, Natalie Martinez are at Big Rock National Park enjoying their their life as a as a new family. They they've been together for two years, and family's all that matters and it's all that important. They say very stiffly. I'm glad they
0: took the time to develop these, <laughs>
1: these <laughs> characters in those eight minutes. Um, when dinosaurs come, because dinosaurs have been released, I guess Jurassic World Three is all going to be about you know dinosaurs. Fucking being around everywhere. I feel like it's going to be unpleasant and impossible to solve. Well, that's the thing. Wasn't Jurassic World and Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom already unpleasant? Y- well, yeah. But In the terms of they were also experienced those films. They were also
0: weirdly Jurassic World was self-contained on Jurassic World. Fallen Kingdom, it branched out to that one area. The, the, the Lockwood Manor. The but house. we didn't get like the idea that like. So the girl in the movie, in the short film, is like, oh, the dinosaurs, they migrate. Which means, because we're all not going to fall, we will actually all forget this by the time the next movie comes out. We have to assume that there's dinosaurs everywhere. How is that going to be dealt with on any level in a movie?
1: Well, if there's dinosaurs you know- everywhere, how are they going to fix that? Do you know you'd fix How this? is Chris Pratt going to fix that? You know what they should do? They should fire Colin Trevorrow. Hire Roland Enmerich. He could handle it.
0: Uh, I feel like, or Michael Bay. they yeah. could definitely do a Jurassic World Transformers crossover. That'd oh,
1: be great. And you know, throw in some pain and gain. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe get another Shia LaBeouf
1: appearance. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what I was expecting when I said we should talk. <laughs> um, I mean, it was cool. It was fine. It was, it was just a good set piece. Uh, the dinosaurs sure, look pretty dinosaur good. The dinosaur effects look great. Uh, like They have tremendously looked fake in Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic World and... It's always smart to put your CGI monsters in the dark.
0: Yeah. Backlit with he- uh, headlights that just are on for no yeah, reason. Yeah,
1: exactly. Because cause cause the problem with Jurassic World and parts of, like, interiors, especially in uh, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, is those, those things look badly like CGI. And hiding it here in the dark and also, you know... Maybe keeping it to eight minutes, so you have to worry only about one set piece. Mm-hmm. It looks, it looks good. Looks a little
0: bit like practical dinosaur yeah, effects. Yeah, exactly. I actually, can't imagine they paid
1: that kind of no, money to make practical dinosaur not. effects. But it But looks good. Um, I mean, maybe if they had some animatronics left over from one of the other films. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it it kind of felt vaguely similar to that scene in Lost World where Julianne Moore mm. and um, you know, Ian Malcolm. I like how I. Didn't remember Julianne Moore's character's name, but we're not going to talk about. I'm not going to say Jeff Goldblum.
0: Do, do any of them have character names? In that it's Ian just Malcolm.
1: Well, yeah, Ian Malcolm. Um, when they have the baby dinosaur and then Eddie, I remember that guy's name. Okay, I think it's been in half. Like, it vaguely is similar to that like RV sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, so from an action set piece standpoint, it's fine. From a weirdly trying to make us care about these characters, the fact that they've been married for two years and they, they have, clearly have kids from yeah, other those other mages, Yeah, um,
0: one of like, them doesn't like, like magic.
1: Doing, doing that is, is odd. Uh, having the ending be just the one girl randomly getting a crossbow. where did she get a crossbow from? Yeah. And why is the dinosaur like terrified of this small little crossbow? Yeah, the proportions of those arrows to the dinosaur's head was a little. See, odd. I, at first I thought it was like they were being saved by like park rangers, and I was like, I thought it was a guy darts. that was like surviving. Yeah, exactly. Um, like that's weird, but it has like a little short. Fun thing for people who are still excited about dinosaur stuff. Um, it's worth it's worth a watch. It's worth a look. It's eight minutes of your life. I yeah. just,
0: I, it makes me, it weirds me out that they were still putting. Let me talk about this a little bit with like the Stephen King stuff. Like the idea that you have to put a baby in like mortal mm. peril.
1: Here's my thought about this. Because like, that really necessary. You made a joke about this was a this was a nice little commentary on on Trump's America. Right? Oh, yeah, however, isn't it interesting that the four people together mm-hmm. the two parents mm-hmm. the two children initially are perfectly fine, just keeping quiet there's no danger. The baby is the one that puts him at mortal risk mm. is this potentially a film that is in uh, uh, that's a, that's a proponent of the limited children um Policy of limiting families to only two children.
0: You can, and you can make that argument too about the. Um, it's not a triceratops because it doesn't have like the horn. I don't know what kind of dinosaur it is, but that baby gets him in trouble also. You yes. know what I mean? Like the allosaurus comes. The allosaurus being Trump of the Republican Party comes to eat that I believe baby. It is, it's a. It's a, apparently a nasoterceratops. Nasoterceratops, Yeah. So I mean, if you're going to make a short film about dinosaurs, you definitely want to use a dinosaur that you've never heard of yeah definitely um
1: but on the think- subject
0: of definitely one hundred percent you're right yeah it is it a is, that- it is a it is anti-anchor baby in air quotes propaganda developed by the right wing for sure
1: well but also at the same time propose uh, you know being also in favor of china's um two children policy. Because they had, they had that third child, and that's the one that gets them in danger. But it lives. So it's, it's actually, it does live, but it puts them in mortal danger. They're going to suffer because of that, you know? Their, yep. their RV's gone, you mm-hmm. know? It destroyed the RV that they bought with their hard-earned capitalist money. Yep. It ate their chicken. Yeah. Let's assume it ate their chicken. So I, I see you calling Trevor Hill. I see what great work you're doing That's from what, a social yeah, standpoint. Yeah, who just releases a, who releases a short film yeah. for no reason about Jurassic Park? Especially, you know, conveniently conveniently a couple days after the third Democratic National Debate. 2020 s is happening, folks. Yeah. We're all we're ready. Me and Mario are reading the signs. This is going to be something we're going to have to apologize about on Twitter. Or you'll have to apologize for via, t-
0: <laughs> via text message.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Um...
0: I mean, I feel like our next movie also we has some landmines that we may be having to apologize for as we talk about it. Probably not, um, but it's not from me. No, maybe not from me either.
1: But we'll see.
0: We'll see how the, the conversation goes. The landmine
1: I have to apologize for is my other indifference. to <laughs> um, the, it's Not even we'll, saying negative.
0: No, no, no. We'll get it. we'll get there. Uh, the movie we are talking about is Hustlers. Woo! I just want to take care of my grandma, maybe go shopping every once in a while. When I was a kid, I always wanted to work with animals. <laughs> I was close. bag. <laughs> these Wall Street guys, you
1: see what they did to this country? They stole from everybody. Hardworking people lost everything.
0: And not one of these douchebags went to jail. The game is rigged and it does not reward people who play by the rules. It's like robbing a bank, except you get the keys. Hustlers is directed by Lorene Scarafaria. Uh, I think
1: he had an R in there. Scarafaria, Scarafaria, yeah.
0: Lorene Scafaria. I'm not taking that out. I'm leaving it. Um, who directed, unfortunately, Nick and Nora's... No, she only wrote Nick and Nora's in the playlist. Oh, well, either. either um, that she
1: direct, her directorial debut was Seeking a Friend at the End seeking of the Seeking a Friend at the End of the end world. world, which is also a terrible movie.
0: Um... Hustlers
1: And The Meddler, which I've never heard of. Yeah,
0: I've never heard of that either. Uh, It's a true story, apparently, based on a Vulture article. The Hustlers um, at Scores. um, That came out in 2014, I believe. I believe so. It was. Um, So Constance Wu plays Destiny. She is uh, new at the strip club called Moves. And um, after sitting within the um, nest that is Jennifer Lopez's um, fur coat, Jennifer Lopez's Ramona, who is a veteran uh, at the strip club, offers to teach her the ropes um, to make more money after the recession hits. They concoct this scheme where they will drug guys, big big spending Wall Street types, and they will bring them back to moves after they've been drugged, and they will empty their credit cards, and they will buy um, expensive handbags and give old Chinese ladies big bricks of cash um eventually the scheme gets um you know they get found out um and they have to go work at old navies um as a as a manager i think at the end in the end she's a manager i think so but um yeah i mean it's a feel good kind of movie it's got, getting a lot of pretty good buzz pretty good praise Jennifer Lopez is being written as an as a potential uh, Oscar nominee for
1: Best Supporting Actress. Has um, everyone forgot about the souvenir? Yeah. Well, I mean, nominee, maybe. Yeah.
0: Um, so they're not saying win. No, I don't think anyone's saying she's going to win. I think they're saying that she will probably get nominated. In the That's Sylvester fair. Stallone category, which is like fit-in, aging actor here. Um, but it's got Julia Stiles in this movie. Kiki Palmer, who I don't know who that is in this movie. Uh, Lily Reinhardt, I don't know who that is, apparently Wait, she's on me, she CW. Was in the CW. Kiki
1: Palmer's in the third season of Scream. Oh. Okay.
0: Oh my God. Um, and then Lizzo, who is a singer, Cardi B, who is a person, um... Usher, who's also a Usher was, that was a pretty good part. <laughs> yeah, that was a good um, part. Um, Mercedes Rule and the immortal Frank Whaley, who I'm pretty sure this is just a documentary about Frank Whaley's life. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Frank Whaley... This is like, guys, this happened to me. He just oh, They just pulled God. him out of his high-rise office where he was watching pornography, talking at an exit, and brought him to his favorite strip club where they drugged him as he's supposed to be and then, then robbed him blind.
1: Or uh, this is also the continuation of, um, I, I believe it's going to be now a thing that we're going to see every week in film. I'm mean, looking forward to Ned Astra R. Rambo Last Blood, where a character uh, vomits a lot. A lot of I mean, vomit. We got, so, we got two weeks now of vomit. I mean, one of the things
0: that I think we need to talk about in this movie, you said you were utterly indifferent. I kind of felt the same way. It's definitely not a bad movie. No, see, it's a, it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's not a great movie. Like some people are saying it's a great movie. This it is, isn't a great movie. This is it's my, it's a
1: perfectly good movie. This is my, my thing about it. It is a, a work of great competence in the sense of every component of it eh. works. It's, you know, I, I really, Really hate seeking a friend at the end of the world. Yeah, that's and, terrible. Um, you know, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist didn't do anything for me either. And and looking at this and comparing it to something like seeking a friend at the end of the world, there's there's a striking similarity in that all. Like for one thing, it's it's filmed in that very kind of Adam McKay style. For well, one, thing. he did produce it. Yeah, I know. But it's it's got that 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 kind of like. Trying to, it's kind of, it kind of tries to emulate that energy. Well, it's got that um, big, it's
0: got a big screen feel. So she did
1: hit that big screen yeah, yeah. quality to it. Um, but my problem with it is all the, like the performances in it are. I don't want to necessarily say strong. I really, I do think Jennifer Lopez does some pretty good work here. Um, I like Constant move a lot in this. It's maybe kind of the only two that I really like. Like, think, do any great work. I mean, everyone else, um, everyone else is is competent, but the problem, and and I, I I find this also with seeking a friend at the end of the world with like Kieran Knightley's performance and, and Steve Carell's performance, Those performances are also fairly strong independently, but there's this lack of creating um a chemistry mm. between the cast, and this like. Which inherently needs to kind of have that sort of chemistry. I don't feel it. I don't feel like don't there's feel any sort of chemistry between I, I any think of them. If I would like, maybe very slightly, yeah. Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez, but it's it still feels like it has a heavy artifice. If but. I was
0: going to say that this movie did have chemistry, and if I or if I was going to say that Jennifer Lopez deserved to win or be recognized for anything, in this movie, although I think she's. For what they ask her to do, I think she's really excellent. Like, yeah, no, exactly. She is the son with which lot. this movie revolves around, and she is a um, really tremendous son in that case. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. she, is, she owns she the anchors, whole fucking she anchors, movie. She anchors it. To the point where I think by the sheer force of her will, some of these um, scenes where there's a, anyone else on the screen, she is just trying... Desperately to hold this whole thing together and make it make sense, because I don't think it does make sense. I think, just like you said, there is no chemistry between literally any of the
1: people that are doing anything. And I don't think that's necessarily like. Often I would I would blame that on the the performers, or maybe like even something to the extent of like the, casting director. But I think I, it's the I, writing. Just, I, I think it's a mixture of the writing and I. There's like this lack of. Depth tone. There's a lack of like actual tone kind of like authentic tone or something that gives know, it a, a fleshed out feeling. Is it authentic tone or is it just a consistent fleshed, tone? Uh, a because consistent of it, is kind it, of like like these films need
0: because here's the thing. So I think everyone so the Adam McKay thing is really interesting because I think Adam McKay showed a little bit with something like The Big Short yeah. where he could take a terrible thing and make it kind of fun. So I think this movie tries to take a terrible thing and make it super fun. And I don't think it hits... No, it doesn't hit all those fun
1: marks. They all kind of feel scummy in the still. Yeah, you, while you're watching, you're like, like this is Everyone fun. feels scummy. This
0: doesn't really feel good. Like, and even when um, after everything kind of gets started, like you get cooking with, like, the scams and stuff like that, when... They're not doing anything really interesting with their money. Like they, they only ever show them buying stuff. And when she gives her grandmother money, like I said, Constance Wu, when Dorothy gives her grandmother money, she doesn't give her like appropriate money. She gives her a huge flat wad of bills yeah. and then a, a wrapped up brick of money in plastic. You know what I mean? Like it's illicit money. It doesn't feel good. Normally in these movies, they go out of your way to show that these people like had good intentions. And they tell you that they had good intentions, but when you're watching it, you
1: don't see good intentions. You and, just see grossness. And, I, and, I, and there's a lot of reviews that kind of said, like, oh, you know, like that's an intentional kind of drive to, like, <clears throat> show that they weren't in the right. Um, or to show, like, that, you know, their actions didn't justify... Like, their intent didn't justify the actions. But to me, that isn't how it's portrayed. You know, no, it's me of, neither. It has this intent of, like, kind of, like... Uh, not necessarily a fun but like a a, a a real like heroic or something yeah yeah to a degree mm-hmm. to a, I mean obviously like a robin like a robin hood type thing yeah maybe a slightly more selfish robin hood but you know well, yeah he wasn't <laughs> buying like Um, Louis Vuitton bags. There wasn't a coach back then, man. There was. Robin Hood would have been, you know, stealing from the rich to buy a nice pearl clutch. So
0: the other thing that I had a problem with, and you can tell me if you had a problem with this too, is like some of like the logistics or or some of the the infrastructure of how this got done didn't feel, like felt really lacking to me. So like the only time they ever talked about money, it was like, for some reason, they were obsessed with the number 5,000. It was like $5,000 split four ways, $5,000 split... I hate to break it to you, you can't buy an Escalade with $5,000 split four ways. Like, you can, eventually, I really but not one. like the next day. You can't buy an Escalade and an apartment in Manhattan for $5,000 split four ways a bunch of times. I
1: mean, it just th-
0: seems, it seems like like you said the word fleshed out, it seems like there's a whole lot of information that we probably should have gotten to make this movie feel more complete that we didn't get because they were very focused on...
1: Yeah, that's you know, the thing. showing like, the
0: sisters walking into the bar like a hundred times, or showing them do
1: chore- weirdly choreographed dance moves, and that—that's the I, I think, you know, because they needed to have all this like establishment that there was kind of like a togetherness with mm-hmm. it because he couldn't, it just didn't show up authentically just in their scenes together, that they. Ended up packing so much shit in there that you know you don't end up getting kind of like the the breadth that you need. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you don't want to do like a Wolf of Wall Street thing and make your no, thing like you three hours long, but um, you know, like it's just it's it's if you you maybe have to abandon like the trying to like group them together as sisters, sort of like maybe yeah. try to like change your right if you can't direct these actresses or whatnot to like be an authentic group together like maybe uh, you know sculpt your script in a way to like give a little bit of a n- little more tension mm-hmm. between them so you don't have to keep establishing like yeah. they're a group they're a group and that way you can actually tell the narrative because you're right like i mean it's it's slightly splitting hairs i guess but um like but you do see like this kind of like flash forward with the actual pertinent aspects of yeah, yeah of, of yeah. the hustle as it were
0: I just think it's an. I think to its credit, I mean, it, it is fun. It's right, and I think it's fun because it's honest. Like she's not. I actually don't. Didn't really feel very manipulated. No, no. no I just not at think all. some of the storytelling choices were the. Um, not the. I don't want to even say the wrong choices. Some of the storytelling choices just weren't as effective as they needed to be to kind of make this thing gel into something way bigger. Like there's, you know, the juxtaposition between the strip club, the floor of the strip club, and then like the interior of like a wall street like trading office that's a pretty interesting idea to 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 bring together but she never actually was able to bring it together cinematically you know what i mean she just kind of told us she tells you here's the and thing can... and here's the thing Yeah. i mean but i think she's i think she is talented i think like when they get arrested i think the scene when they get arrested when they're playing lords royals is a really effective that
1: type of scene it really yeah, works like the tone there really works and um there's significant promise there. It's just it's 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 frustrating, I guess. Um and, and like that's what drives up my indifference when you know you you kind of shoot for the moon and then kind of and I think miss they did. The yeah, mark. yeah. I mean, um, so what do you think about
0: this though? I mean, really interestingly, I so you know how everyone made a really big deal about like the Brad Pitt taking off his shirt scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Mm-hmm. There is a direct like it has its exact twin in Jennifer Lopez's like first like striptease performance i mean jennifer lopez is 50 fucking years old so when jennifer like the first time we see ramona it's from the back and she's bending over and like she does all those moves in the audience people were just like like they're like holy shit like she's we're it's the thing that everybody kind of forever just you know Wanted to see, you know. Oh, what I, I, mean? I
1: saw this in a theater with like four people. Oh, I saw it in like ended- an almost packed theater. Oh yeah, it did. It that was just like to me, it was just a scene. That but it's, in, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, like it did, there are just, two
0: aging stars who have like who are just kind of like, yeah, I can, st- I'm still this. I can still do all of this stuff.
1: I mean, the same thing with Brad Pitt, like in the shirtless scene in, in Once Upon a Time. I'm just like, I don't fucking care. Like that's no, we that's, don't. That's like a meta. That's like a meta commentary on the film. It's not an actual to me an actual part of the film itself.
0: No, but it's a, it works for once upon a time in Hollywood because Brad Pitt's character is supposed to be washed up and have seen some shit. I have a little bit of a problem with it in this movie because Ramona is definitely not supposed to be 50.
1: Yeah, she's still she's I don't know how older, I don't, don't know how old she's supposed successful. to
0: be. I have no idea how old she's supposed to be, but she's not supposed to be 50. Jennifer Lopez doesn't look 50. But she definitely doesn't look as young as I think they want her to be look like that in that Molly movie. Shannon
1: character? Well, it's because she
0: ages, too. So from 2000... S- 2000- char-
1: Remember that character's name? Which I'm 50. Oh, yeah.
0: Ah, 50. Yeah. Um, that was a good one. They, they, from, so from 2007 to 2000... So seven years passed. And we have to assume that she'd lived, like, those are hard years. You know what I mean? In some way. They weren't easy years on her. She just looks exactly the same. You know what I mean?
1: So she's. I'm willing willing to hand wave that stuff shortly. But
0: I don't. That's the thing. In a good movie, in like a really good movie, in a movie that puts it all fucking together, the cinematic vision of who this person is is fully realized. You think they should? They
1: just put Jennifer Lopez in a movie. Do You think they should have waited for Martin Scorsese's de aging technology to be perfected and then used it for this movie?
0: No, I think they just don't worry about Jennifer Lopez. I think they make this movie with different like, different actors, and not as a Jennifer Lopez vehicle.
1: To me, I, I, I didn't care about that. I, but that's the thing. I mean, there's so think... many films that kind of, like, will span dec- a decade or so and keep the same actor and not do anything, treme- or actress, and not do anything tremendously but those aren't... to change it. Or yeah, to, I guess, to... but
0: those aren't really, like, great movies. I think this movie had the potential to be something really interesting, and took like oh I never I took never took looked easy at easy way out
1: I never looked at this as like have the pencil be a great movie I always saw this as just like a fun movie oh I think it could have been it's an like, interesting movie reminds me of like a boiler room remember oh, that movie yeah
0: the, the when Giovanni Ribisi was like and we ben were D- really D- hitting that hard yeah when the, the yeah, Ben I, Affleck, Giovanni
1: Ribisi is like this is my thing and then the was, like, i classic actually decent Ben in Affleck,
0: Affleck ripping off Glenn Gary Glenn Ross
1: boardroom scene yeah yeah um, terrific like, like that's why I saw that kind of like that same. I don't want to say saccharine, but kind of like minor... No, nah, see,
0: when I was watching,
1: I think true it's a, life why I'm not a little... Dis- I'm,
0: I'm a little less... Um, I'm less indifferent and more kind of disappointed because I did see the bones here of a really interesting... Again, not like an all-time... not Probably not good fellas, because they're never going to go that far. But if you do everything if you do everything right... You might you get, get Raging a really, Bull. Yeah. If you do everything right, you might get a really interesting movie out of it. And instead they got a fun movie that's going to make a bunch of money that Jennifer Lopez m- might get nominated for an Oscar for instead of a movie that people, like, in ten years are like, well, that movie was really representative of something that was happening in the culture. Now it's just like that movie where, like, <laughs> where Usher walked into a room for two minutes and then sprayed
1: champagne out of his... Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely an interesting film in that I don't... Maybe this is not my place to say I just don't, I don't see, like, the, the importance of the story, too. Like, I don't see necessarily what because it's they're saying. Not,
0: because they're not showing you the important stuff. They want to show you the fun stuff and not, like, not
1: the... Me- they want to take away... They just took away all the metaphors. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel like a different <laughs> Great Recession story no, but think that it I've could, seen. I think it could have been if yeah. they made different choices.
0: But they didn't. And so it's just a movie that's going to make a lot of money over the next that's few weeks. That's so fun. If you're like, yeah, you're like. yeah, yeah.
1: Not like a fun time and see you know really there was Jeffrey two Logue. old ladies sitting next to me that laughed to the whole thing like the soundtrack is always pretty consistently good that it's Scott right, Walker they... song was
0: was awesome I didn't know this it was song. great like their nice. first like striptease together when they first started the um, the uh, scam and they brought that guy up to moves and they started like stripping for him there's like a, a from Scott Walker 2 not even like a Scott Walker huh. like later it was like old-school, you know, vaudevillian, French-style S- Scott Walker, and it was just pop, really good.
1: Huh. I didn't, didn't know that.
0: Well, there it you turns go. Is that the new everyday guy?
1: guess you do. All right, we will be... And you will learn about our number 48th.
0: Welcome back. Um, again, we won't do any preamble yet, because um, I don't know how I'd preamble this. But my ni- uh, my number forty eight. I feel like we should be on number like forty four by now, but we're not. We're still on forty eight. Uh, yeah, my well, number because f- we did a Stephen King week and we keep doing <laughs> sides. Yeah, story. it's because I've spent like countless <laughs> hours producing these Stephen King episodes. Um, my number forty eight is uh, David Fincher's nineteen ninety five film Seven. like what
1: you do for a living
0: these things you see you have to wear blinders sometimes most times. detective william somerset is looking for a way out
1: you're retiring six more days and you're all the way gone so how long have you lived here
0: too long Detective David Mills is looking for a way in. We'll be spending every waking hour together from now until the time I leave. I'll show you who your friends and enemies are. Look, i will been homicide five years. Not here. Now, H-C-G. they're caught in a game. No fingerprints and no witnesses of any kind.
1: Nope. About the only thing we know about that guy right now is he's totally insane. With the price of sin...
0: Is death The Price of Sin is Death, Mario. I love, you know, my favorite thing about doing this podcast is looking at these old trailers and how they market this stuff, and, like, it's just a movie about, like, sinning and killing people. Like, that's just,
1: Seven is just about that. Could you, could you imagine, like, if this movie came out now, though, and, like, having nope. that voiceover guy going, The Price of Sin is Death. <laughs> like, how Reddit would respond to, like, that sort of trailer.
0: Or how, you know, the alt-right would be like, yes, it is. And we will take care of it for you.
1: Sin is not having private health insurance. <laughs> no, the sin No, uh, Yeah, because the sin is having
0: socialized medicine. Yeah. God did not want us to have socialized medicine. That's what he did on the eighth day. He invented capitalism. On the eighth
1: day, he was like, Etna. <laughs>
0: he said it. Um... So yeah, so we've talked a lot about, uh, we've said this phrase before about like the warm blanket movies, and you said said I think last week. Wait, what? This is a warm. Yeah. Oh, oh I gosh. love this. Oh, I could watch this movie all the time, because um, like, you said you said like two weeks ago or something. You just like watched Seven, and I sometimes I don't feel... watch
1: it for a warm blanket.
0: No, but I sometimes feel like I just want to watch Seven. I just I just want to see it. I just kind of want to hang out there, um, but for I still believe. Like, th- this is a major studio movie. Like, this is a big... <laughs> this is not like a little movie. It had a big... St- it had two huge stars in it. Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow were humongous in 1995. Um, You know, David Fincher was coming off an all-time classic that everybody loved in Alien 3. Um, Mor- <laughs> Morgan Freeman had just... Made a movie that no one was gonna see in theaters.
1: Kevin Spacey showing up was a big like, "Holy shit, Kevin Spacey!" sort of moment.
0: Well, because it was, it was. Every I thought, oh, did this come out after Usual Suspects? I think it's the same. It's the same year, but was it after? Because everyone was like, "Kevin Spacey, Kevin." I feel like I remember everyone being like, "Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey," because of Usual Suspects, and then this came out, and they're like, "Holy shit, it's that guy from Usual Suspects." Uh... Or was it before? Was this before?
1: And then everyone was like, holy shit, that's the guy from Seven. It is. Um, Usual Suspects comes out in August. Seven comes out in September. Ah,
0: so, so there you go. So yeah. he was just on like a little bit of a roll. But that's the thing. To his portrayal of John Doe, the killer in Seven, didn't he? have to a better guy. Yeah. And um this because Kevin Spacey's is Kevin spaciness is not really central to this movie, I feel like we don't have to have like a oh, no, Kevin perfect. Spacey no, conversation. Also,
1: also because it's it's perfectly okay that, you know he's Right. <laughs> the role he does in this film is Well now he's doing things again.
0: So I d I, I don't know. We need to we don't need to touch him. We're gonna get to Kevin Spacey in detail a lot later. Yeah, yeah. Um But I definitely didn't see it when it came out, because I was thirteen years old, and I didn't see it for a while afterwards. But I was very aware... When did you first see this? I think 2000. I think when I was 18 years old. When the New Line... Was this, is this a New Line movie? When those boxes... Those box sets that you have downstairs came out. And I was... That came out. The Boogie Nights came out. There was a couple of other When do you, uh, when when do you think ones. I saw this? I'm assuming right when... I'm assuming 1996. Yeah. yeah.
1: All in Video 96. There you My go. parents made me look away from the lust scene. Yeah, that's it. And the gluttony those scene. Those are the two. Everything else is fine.
0: Everything else is <laughs> everything else is perfectly fine. Do you know
1: why they, I watched it though? Because I desperately asked to be able to see. Because mm-hmm. I love. I had to see everything with Morgan Freeman. Yeah, there you go. March of the Penguins. That's why I saw. It. Well, no, I, I was over that. I was over Morgan um, Freeman thing by then.
0: But you, I was very aware of Seven. Like all my friends had seen Seven. I just felt like I couldn't pull the trigger on Seven until like, I don't know. I lived more of a life. Um, and I'm kinda glad I did because I'm again I didn't go as deep into like the graphic violence and stuff that you know, as early as you did. Um and, which is fine. It's a personality thing. You know what I mean? Like we're not made the same way from that that standpoint. Um and I still think this movie is tremendously um fucked up. Like especially oh, still. Especially for like if you just from a normal movie standpoint it's terribly fucked up. From a major studio standpoint, it's got to be one of the most fucked up major studio movies that ever got made. I mean, it is... Cra- <laughs> it is crazy. Mario's no. thinking. Like, Mother is... Mother is, too, but mother's d- different. Like, it's psychological. Like, this stuff is all... And it's one of the reasons I love this movie. And we want to talk about this... Devil's well, Rejects? Yeah, but that was kind of... I guess... But I feel like you knew what you were getting when you were making a Rob Zombie movie. You know what I mean? Like, what movie was he going to make? Well, that's true. It's just Rob Zombie. Like, So they went into it knowing like Rob Zombie's going to make this movie. Do they know David Fincher and Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman and Gwyneth Paltrow were going to come... And Richard, and Richard Roundtree were going to come out with
1: this? Oh, man. David Fincher made a dog, dog xenomorph? you know that guy was fucked up. I guess that's true. I guess that's true.
0: Um... So, yeah, I love those. I, I just love watching my next two weeks movies I just love. This week and the next week are just my war- or two of my, like, my warmest blanket movies. When I'm watching them, I can always watch them. If I had cable and if I found it on cable and, like, there was nobody in the house, I would just
1: fucking live in seven. I never turn it off. Humorously enough, in two weeks, if we we're, if we're just do lists straight through, your movie is one of my warm blanket movies. It just oh. didn't make my list. There you could- go. So that one makes a lot more sense from a warm blanket standpoint. Here's why I think this movie is a warm blanket movie. One, I guess, let's 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 explain that. Okay. One, because our listeners right now are probably perturbed,
0: and I thought about this for a lot because I watch it all the time. It's one of the movies that I take out from the library constantly and just watch it. Like if you look at my library history, it says seven a lot because seven is not. I think it's on Hulu now. Um, Do you just not want to own the the DVD? I don't. I only own fourteen DVDs. No. I own I own the top sixteen and then all right so I own fifteen dVds I own the top i I own one through own one through fourteen and then sixteen and then fifteen my dad has because it's too big and I don't need to have something that big in my in my face but I'm not like a i'm I've become like um not a purger per se but I really only want to have the things that are really very important to me and so like I have my the, the my, my the beginning of my list is very easy to make because it's just the DVDs that I own. So I've been thinking about this a lot, and I've been making actually I've been making notes on this movie for like a since we started this podcast. I've seen seven probably like five or six times, and I've been making notes. You Can not you couldn't commit to one more time? I watch it again this week for for the seventh. Time? For this for this episode, yeah. Um, nice. One of the so the thing that I think I love about it is that. And it just, just just kind of occurred to me. Is that it's all... And this relates directly to what we were talking about with Hustlers. It's all there on the screen. Like, you know how when we do this movie, we do this thing, we we like to interpret. You know what I mean? We like to say, this shot does this, and this does this. And if you put these things together, you get this thing, and blah, blah, blah. You don't have to do any of that with Seven. There's some stuff, you know what I mean? There are some things you can look at in terms of like um, some of the rituals of Mills and Somerset or like the de-ritualization of Mills' life versus the ritualization of um, Somerset's life of, you know, all that other stuff. You can look into all that stuff. But there's no real mystery here. You know what I mean? Because we don't have access to, we have access to all the information that the detectives have access to. And none of that information will tell us who John Doe is. None of it. Zero of it. Which means we don't actually have to do any work. Which means all this movie was designed to do is for the viewer to sit back, relax, and watch some expertly shot, fucked up shit unfurl on screen for you. You know what I mean? Because in none of those scenes, like, you know, in any of the, 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 the murder scene scenes, there's no information that will get you closer to who John Doe is. None. So what are you supposed to do? Like, So all you can do is just drink it in. And it's, it's a spicy drink. You know what I mean? It's not for everybody. But it's a drink that like... A little
1: like, bit of curdled milk for sure. Yeah.
0: But like when I get to those, like I can... I really feel... And I don't want people to think of this the wrong way. I really feel good... Not good, like happy or good, like, um, like it's, morally good. I feel very sat- satisfied experience. when and we talked. I mentioned this scene last week after the lust scene when they have that. You know, the guy that works there, and they have um, the guy, and I didn't write down his name. We an no, think, yeah, 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 yeah. When they have him in the room, and he's he's just. He's overcome. He's hyperventilating. He's like, I fucked her. And you see that. That's
1: such a good performance. Oh my God. And you see
0: that Polaroid of what he fucked her with when he's saying that he fucked her. You really don't know what to do with yourself. The only scene that can happen afterwards, too. So you just. The most horrible thing has just occurred to you inside your mind. They won. They didn't show you the prostitute when they found her. They just showed her legs. We have no idea. They didn't talk about how she died. You know what I mean? It's like the one time we don't know how they died. Everyone else up till that point were like, oh, he cut off his, um, you know, he cut off his his love handles and he bled to death and they cut him up. Or he, um, you know, he fed him to death and and his stomach burst, but it could have also been this. Um, Or I think is that the two or the Victor thing when he's like he chewed off his tongue and he kept him alive and he has all these bed sores, blah, 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 blah. With a girl in the lust scene, we have no idea how she died.
1: The Pride one was stupid, though. The Pride one was a little bit Well, the Pride
0: one, they just needed to go. the Pride one was designed, though, for Brad Pitt to deliver that line. Like, come on. Like, he's just fucking with them at that point. He knows it's stupid. You know what I mean? But that's the beauty of of that scene, is that there's nothing we can do with it. In the same way that there's nothing that Brad Pitt's character can do with it. We just have to take it. And we just have to just let it wash over us. Because what are we going to do? There's no clues. We have no idea who did this. That guy that whose house they were in did it. But what does that tell us about anything? Um, like, I guess even if you had the clue that, like, oh, it was the photographer. Like, what does that even get you? He doesn't work in a newspaper. They looked into it. He doesn't work anywhere. He's nothing. He's a nobody. Like, by the end of the movie. So the beautiful thing about the last scene is that they put all that stuff in the movie. And you have to put it together in your head how that woman died what that guy must have went through what the fuck that woman must have went through and the only logical scene that can happen after that movie or after that scene is the exact scene that happens and it's the exact thing that's happening in our head which is nothing somerset and mills are literally just sitting in completely different interrogation rooms just staring at nothing it's totally quiet and it's just they're just trying to wrap their fucking heads around All the things that we have just seen in the same way that we are trying to wrap our heads around all the things that we've seen. Why did we watch this movie? Like, when we're not going to get, we're not close to the mystery. That's why this movie is great. And I was just reading this book about writing, and this guy was writing about, um, like, uh, noir fiction and, and detective fiction. He's like, one of his rules for that stuff is that, like, you always have to be getting closer to the mystery. Like for the book to be a success, you always have to be feel like you're getting closer, either through the first person, um, narrate like the first person detective narrator, or through a third person, um, divulging of, of clues as they come.
1: This movie it keeps you far away until the very last scene, which which is the intent. The intent of kind of like telling that misanthropy. That kind of, like, exists as an undercurrent throughout it. It's kind of like that, that strong fuck you. That the well, that's so what they talk about. In. Like the,
0: I mean, in that, in that bar scene, when he's just like... I understand why apathy is... I understand why all of these things are better than, like, actually engaging with life. Um, But the movie doesn't let you engage with it. So the only way to engage with it is sensually. Like... And if you're engaging with this movie centrally, you are finding... You have to find those murder scenes compelling. You have to find... You have to find the seven deadly sins aspect of it compelling, knowing, though, that you aren't ever going to, like, solve the mystery. That the seven deadly sins thing isn't getting you closer to anything. That all the FBI, like, library... Um, lists and all of the like fingerprinting and all of the medical examination stuff are not going to get you closer to this thing which pushes you away further so then you are just it is just a visual movie it's just a cinematic experience at that point um and i i just really i find it really fascinating and i find it really riveting and i find it really um i don't want to say perfect because that connotates it that has a different connotation to it but it is the exact movie. It's it is what it is, type of thing. It's not at any point trying to be more than like a series of horribly beautiful images, kind of strung together with a really um, powerful, like a really powerful string that will like you can drag along with you. In the hopes that you will get something out of it at the end. And all you get is more pain, a great twist, and then a really fucking beautiful shot of Kevin Spacey's face waiting to die. Like the heaviest shot of somebody's face. One of the heaviest shots I've ever seen in a movie. I mean, we're going to talk about heavier shots on my list later of people's faces. But that's pretty fucking heavy. I mean, the gravity of that last Kevin Spacey scene is when he's on his knees he closes his fucking eyes, is intense. That shit is intense. And I will give a tip of the cap to Howard Shore, who I don't usually like, but he is actually probably the perfect guy for this, because it is a soundtrack, it is a score that relies on tropes of the noir film. Like, all those horns, all those progressions are very tropey, but they're, um, they're twisted into something really... Um, Intense and special, and magnifies like the horror that's going on on the screen.
1: So yeah, go Mario. The thing I agree and disagree with you on is the fact that it is a movie that that rests purely in, in, in the sensuality, the the you know its ability to engage the senses. I don't necessarily find the murder scenes like has, like the death scenes has compelling. But I find what is interesting to me is that the tone in which this film takes, especially in terms of like how it's edited and how it's like the shot composition mm-hmm. um and especially the set design, is you find because you're so repulsed by. The violence you're seeing or, or the, the aftermath of violence you're seeing. And you, and you can't find the, the beauty in that. It's still the there's still grotesqueness. Mm-hmm. But you find yourself compelled because it's so masterfully produced. Um, you find yourself drawn to the the like anathema. In terms of everything you're seeing is something, you know, you, you would dislike or, or disdain in everyday life. Mm hmm. It's until that last scene, it's raining constantly. Yeah, yeah. It's always gray, you know. They, um, most of the sets, you know, where the murders happen, for the most part, are, are disgusting and dirty. Or you've got the flypaper, you got the decrepit the, the house where that guy is forced to eat to death. Um, you're, even so far, has the anachronistic kind of old wood and library setting of their um, their police station. You know, it, oh, it yeah, it's a like classic it, inner-city police station. But it feels so utterly disconnected from something that would be satisfying. Mm-hmm. Even going to the end credits that roll backwards. You know, everything is detached from... Feels bad. Yeah, everything feels bad, but because it's so masterfully put together, it feels... As though it's necessary, and it feels as though you connect with it. You know, you connect, and by that, you connect with the mood this film sets. Oh, yeah. Because I ten, I was 10 years old when I first saw this. <laughs> this is, you know, and I've engaged with this on a level of wanting to solve a mystery. You know, we've talked sure, about it before. Yeah, yeah. Especially really early on with my scream discussion about how I love a movie where i can where there's a bunch of people dying and I can figure out who the killer was, you know mm-hmm. uh always a big Agatha christie guy um at, at first, I was like, oh, I bet you it's, it's Somerset. I was really excited <laughs> about that um but then, you know, even not being able to see some of the scenes I couldn't see, you know, I felt myself drawn to like how gross it was and how like uncomfortable it was and how even the scenes that are supposed to relieve the tension, you know, like the, the, the dinner scene, uh, you know, you know, talking with Tracy and whatnot, like those scenes are still dark. Even like the scene, the and, library. And, yeah. And are they dark? Are there, are the angles are off they're, they're, they're just, there's, there's not a symmetry to it. Um, you know, you find yourself drawn to that because it's, it's paced extremely well. It's, shot extremely well, that mm-hmm. score is, you know, it, it hits those hallmarks of of noir, but they it has still, like, that kind of, like, bombasticness that mm-hmm. kind of Howard yeah, Shore yeah, yeah. has. Um, but it sets the mood of misanthrope, of, of, of frustration. You know, you enjoy it, but you're frustrated because it's something you vehemently don't want to see. And so it puts you kind of in a state of mind where you get to that finale, you know, where John Doe says this thing is envy and Nils is wrath, you know, and you buy it. You know, you're urging you, know, you yourself just want to see this guy die, mm-hmm. you know, not because of not even necessarily because of the acts he's done, like the acts of violence and everything. Sure. and And killing Tracy, you know, took her pretty little head. Mm-hmm. Not because of that. That because you've been so drawn through what this film has shown you in terms of everything, um, in terms of how it looks and how it feels and how just overall nasty it is, but yeah. still compelling, that you become that same level of
0: wrath in it the end. It puts you through the shit. Yeah. yeah. And then it wants, you, exactly, it wants you to take like your revenge on him also. Yeah, exactly, and it's this. and it's
1: not necessarily the John Doe you're taking revenge on. It's, it's the what David Fincher's kind of put you through. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, you you wanna you wanna just get over it, and you know, it, it's an indictment almost on on the viewer to me, mm-hmm. um, and that's why that last line's great is you know this world's a, what's the world's a beautiful place and, and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. Yeah, um, like it's a little bit of like a you know hey, we all have some work. Like, that's how I always take it. You know, re has a viewer like it's it's a narrative told plainly. You know, it's a serial killer noir story, but it's also an indictment on the sense that the viewer is going through as they're watching it. Mm -hmm. The fact that like your frustration and anger because the things you're seeing are just so gross, so uncomfortable beyond the violence, like going down to just the film grain and the shot composition and the speed of editing or. The sound design has, you know, got you to a point where you, too, you know, want to the exact injustice. Well, even, like,
0: the morals here. Just, you know, when she tells him that he's <laughs> she's pregnant,
1: his first reaction isn't like, oh, good. It's like, ugh, crazy. No. Tr- tr- and and Somerset, like, sa- you know, like, we're coming off of Morgan Freeman, you know, acting as the bastion of, of good and, mm. and purity uh, in, I mean... Reformed purity in Shawshank Redemption—that somebody who's so apathetic and kind of just broken down himself, you know. Yeah, so yeah. every sort of expectation you come in as a viewer is skewed, and it just makes you—you it, it, you become like a like a rat trapped in in a maze, you know, or you know, you're, you're lashing. At, you yourself are kind of lashing mm-hmm. out at it. And um, in terms of the manipulation of of the emotion of the viewer. But in a subtle um, sense, it's 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 just in, crazy in this film, mm. and it's something that he's tried to emulate again. And I don't think he's he's ever gotten to that point again. Um, no, I mean I think I have another Fincher film higher up on my list. He's made a lot of movies. He's made a lot of actually really complicated movies. Yeah, and that in that particular movie, I I just don't engage. I, it doesn't. Do any like anything for me mm-hmm. that that movie? But I, it's, I don't know. Maybe it's because the age. I, maybe because the age I saw this that made such a huge impression on me. Well, that's. I mean, so um, we're gonna get
0: when we do that. It's gonna be. So we've been. I've been talking a lot about identity. Like this is one of the movies too that, and I think next week's movie also is one of these movies. Um, as that I don't have to. Th- I don't really think about them in terms of myself. You know what I mean? I don't think of Seven in terms of me. I don't think of my 47 in terms of me, I don't think of... Um, I think of my 50, 40. I thought of my Inside and Davis in terms of myself. But that's not really one of the reasons I like it. But it's definitely there. Like, the idea... Like, when I listen to the Inside and Davis soundtrack, I generally imagine myself singing all those songs. And, you know, I've tried to learn them and all that other stuff. But for 7 and my 47, um, I, don't, I don't... I don't think about them in that way. I can... It's, it's just a release... And that's when I talk, when I think of warm blanket movies, it is that release from having to think and the um, enjoyment of just like sinking inside a movie, regardless of how disgusting it is, regardless of the fact that like all the wallpaper is terrible and everyone has a million books and every apartment has like a hundred rooms in it that are all in the same state of, you know, decrepitude, um, you know, it's just it's it's a it's a it's a joy for me. Like this movie, weirdly enough, is like a joy for me but to go back to. The first time you watched it, how how did how did it feel? Like, I think the same. I think as it went, and I I thought more about it as I thought a lot about it in the last since we started doing this podcast and kind of try to reconcile my feelings that I've had the whole time I've I've been in a relationship with this movie, which is this movie just brings me weirdly a lot of peace and a lot of joy as a movie. Because my intent my tendency is to think everything to death and this movie resists thinking well, and is only available like in a feeling sense. And
1: I would almost say I would almost say like 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 I could see that that sort of enjoyment from the intellectual sense. Like from enjoying it has as a work of really deliberate cinema. Well um, yeah, but like from that sense but there's not I'm not so see, because to me, I'm not, on, I'm on, not going on, underneath
0: on. it to kind of burrow and, like, so I'm not reading yeah. all the books that they talk about. You know what I mean?
1: You're, so, you're like, not figuring out how <laughs> these thinking, things. You're not thinking about the poor set designer who had to actually write out that 80 pages of notebook.
0: Right, right, right. I'm not, like, trying to think about all of the um, things that John Doe does and see how they match up to various aspects of, you know, The Canterbury Tales or St. Thomas Aquinas oh, or something. like one I see things, what You know said. what I mean? I'm not going there.
1: No, I I was I was more saying like how you engage with it intellectually in terms of its art as a film. Yeah,
0: and I think and I I think I was going to say after that like that's intellectually that's how I approach it. It's literally just yeah. like this shot composition makes me smile because it's or this push in is expertly done and like that one camera movement conveys so much
1: emotion. An the overhead running angle, like running. Shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which, which, uh, which you know, but but you appreciate that when you think about it. But as you watch it, especially you know during that time where like that kind of high level of sort of experimentation and in like the noir genre, or you know, really kind of like the noir action genre, which mm-hmm. was was pretty prevalent during that time, um, but still kind of carry through to the end of the decade. You mm-hmm. know, like even. Matrix or Dark, especially Dark City, kind of carries a lot of that kind yeah, of yeah. action. Um, but there's definitely but stuff in they Matrix weren't doing, that they didn't hear. Yeah, but they weren't doing. You know, they were not doing what these films were doing in the early '90s, and so this. But and so in that way, when you first watch it, it's uncomfortable. Well, because the
0: Seven wants to make the Matrix, and I'll just use the Matrix, wants to make you think of something. Mm-hmm. Seven wants to make you, you feel, feel something. something. Yeah, and that's all it wants. to do. Which make. is just discomfort. But in, but then when you actually in my mind, I'm just that discomfort, because it's so expertly done, feels
1: really good. Oh no, absolutely. When you when you come back and you know you you, you peel apart the onion and to kind know, of see why it made you feel that initial way, you realize just the craft. And involved. it's one of
0: the funny things because I think next week's movie is gonna be like that too. Like s- some of the human twisting. I haven't seen that one. Oh, so. I mean. I'm excited and scared for you to see it. Because part of me thinks that you will find things in it. Like, I've found things in it. And part of me also is very prepared for you to be like, it's a movie that exists. I'll give it a couple watches at least. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, it's the same thing. There's, it's, un, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't make you feel happy. But it's so expertly done that... And because there's not, like... There's not an undercurrent of of shit, like trying to bubble up from the surface. Like, there's no Easter eggs for me to catch and try to make sense of what I'm seeing. You can just make sense of it by watching it, and in that, in doing so, it's it's a relief and it's a release,
1: and it feels really good. Okay, so I I do have to say this now. The the one criticism, major criticism, I have of this film: Uh this script is is terrible. Like the screenplay when you peel it apart like the way it moves because well, every conversation is, ha- means like yeah no like like it's 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 when you look at it from a screenplay level from a dialogue level a lot of people don't feel really human don't feel like people mm-hmm. um, and the way in which it moves at times in terms of yeah. in terms of story is stilted yeah um, but it's not like a deliberate stilted no 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 uh, well, I, and I think that's kind of obvious that the, Andrew Kevin Walker would go on to make 8mm yeah right sure. 8mm and a movie I, I really enjoy Sleepy Hollow but still Sleepy Hollow the um, thing that I, this movie which, are, which is, is not a, it's, it's a criticism of yeah, yeah, the one yeah. criticism I see it but I think it's more just once again pointing out how David Fincher often could take terrible scripts look at the original script for you know, Alien 3, mm-hmm. and, you know, really kind of put his well, this, finesse on it. The
0: thing that is, this movie always reminded me of um, Don DeLillo, the novelist Don DeLillo, in the sense that, like, one of the criticisms he faced with a lot of his books um, pre-Underworld, and maybe even a little bit underworld, and definitely uh, his b- books post-Underworld don't really matter, so, um, is that his characters weren't characters, they were like, um, um, just collections of ideas. They were just they weren't Yeah, that's that's they that's weren't put there to convey really... like an emotion. They were just put there to um to tell you what the emotion that you're supposed to be feeling is you know, regarding a specific scene or a specific um uh circumstance or whatever. Um and so there's a lot of that here where like Morgan Freeman's character definitely feel like even though he seems like he would care he cares a lot more, his dialogue says I don't care at all. And even though Brad Pitts character looks like he doesn't care about anything his dialogue says i care about everything yeah you know what i mean um so you know one guy's meticulously putting on his suit every morning and one guy is playing with his hair with his tie hanging out and his shirt untucked and like while he's drinking coffee and his apartment's unpacked and he lives in an apartment that shakes when a train goes by you know what i mean but that guy cares a lot and the guy that does especially about his abs in 24 years <laughs> yeah. um one guy cares a lot and one guy doesn't and uh, you know Is that? Oh God, this
1: movie's twenty four years old. Is
0: that a is that like an intentional juxtaposition that we should be making? I don't really think so. I think it's just kind of what they kind of just put on top of them because they needed to convey it for the nature of the movie. Yeah, like I don't see why Brad Pitt make why Brad Pitt would think of himself as such a hero. Like it's not really there. We don't get a lot of backstory from him, so he's just saying like Oh, I believe in people. Why? You don't know you're having a baby, so why do you believe in people so much? Because the script told me I have to believe in people. But yeah, I mean beyond that I think that's I think that's why that's like that. Anything else? All right, let's do it. Let's do it, Mario. I'm ready. Mario's 48 coming up.
1: How familiar are you with Stargate? The Kurt Russell movie? No, like yeah, the Kurt Russell movie leading into the the SG1 um I've seen the Kurt Russell movie. That's it, and I don't really remember anything about it.
0: But I know I've seen it.
1: So in Stargate, there is a race of, you know, the, 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 they're like the main villains in Stargate. Stargate's not, not my number forty-eight, by the way. Really quickly before we get into that, I just wrote it down. <laughs> Stargate um, is Mario's forty-eight. But the uh, the gulid, I think golid. They're they're like little wormy creatures. Uh-huh. And they burrow themselves into their hosts. And they attach and they get stuck there. And like they, they, they take over the host. They That's what happens to Stargate? Yeah, that's that's like the kid, the main villain of Stargate, that like little Ramses sort of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is just he's just a dude that just got infected by a parasite. Huh. My number forty eight is like that. Really unassuming when I first saw it. thought it looked really fucking cool. saw this young song nine. I really thought that uh the drippings burrowing down a couple floors was really fucking awesome, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a pretty good, you know, little dark, fun house sort of horror film. but something happened. Something burrowed into my brain got there and stayed there and slowly took me over. Before I know it, I'm looking up space jockeys and egg morphing and xenomorphs and the xenomorph reproduction cycle and the various biochemistry caused by who is a host and who isn't a host. Did they know any of that stuff? I think it. I think it all got slowly built up. Oh, okay. I think the egg... Well, the egg morphing was traditionally going to be in the original film. Yeah, yeah, Um This is the tale of an okay horror movie that somehow got its lore <laughs> buried deep in my soul. Uh-huh. And for that, I have to respect it. And for the fact that, like... It apparently did the same exact thing to a lot of other people after we respect it. People. My number 48 is alien. <laughs> <Get> on, <man. laughs> oh,
0: God!
1: Oh, God. <laughs>
0: Oh, no. Don't oh. touch it! Don't
1: touch it. The seven person crew awakens. What is that face for? It's my old beer. Drink your old beer, not your new beer? No. Yeah. You're so you're so excited to, to talk about this. I don't know. I keep wanted to reach out with my left hand to grab a beer, but mm. it's failing me. The seven person crew of the Nostromo on the return trip to Earth wake up, including an android. I Don't know why an android has is doing in stasis. What is an android doing in stasis, Tom? He's in eating. every film after that, the androids don't have to be in stasis. I know this I android's hiding, but why is this android in stasis? He's also eating cereal. Yeah, what's going on there? What the fuck's going on there? It's a Wayland, Yutani. <laughs> Here's a distress signal. LV426. The amply named LV426. Don't know why it's amply named. Just a lot I of letters. Down, Numbers. You see a giant skeleton. Which in later films would just really just be a spacesuit, unfortunately. Fuck you, Ridley Scott. And one of the crew, Kane, sees this weird oblong shape. And within it a face hugger attaches itself to him with its vagina-like quality. H.R. Geiger had some weird shit going on it's in his brain in Switzerland. A lot of things look like vaginas or dildos. We, <laughs> talking about this episode, we resell his Batman Forever concept of, of the Batmobile, and it was just four dildos put together. Oh, that was Batman Forever? Yeah, it was going to be Batman Forever. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. They were like, <laughs> we're, we're good, H.R. No Geiger. No thanks, H.R. Geiger. And because Tom Skerritt's an idiot, they take Kane on board. And Kane seems to be fine. Until he's not. And his chest burst. It scares the shit out of Veronica Cartwright, the actress. Not uh
0: yeah. <laughs> Veronica Cartwright the actress? Not
1: well yeah, 'cause like apparently they weren't even told when it was gonna happen. Oh. So like that screams real. Um I mean still I mean, who knows, that may be film more. Um Large xenomorph grows from that and roams the Nostroma. Mm. Killing off the crew one by one. Till Saguna Weaver and a cat are left. And the alien gets shipped off into space. And we get shipped off to about seven or eight more movies into the future. Hundreds of books. Hundreds oh, of books? I don't know if it's hundreds. That's That's probably. Some books, comic books, do- dozens of books, yeah, probably do- dozens, dozens, of probably books. hundreds of, of pieces of literature. Sure, sure, sure. Thousands if we include like fan fiction. No, please, that's not. But probably, probably hundreds of comics and definitely hundreds of comics and mm-hmm.
0: and two more Michael Fassbender
1: movies. Yeah, and a third probably on the way. Probably. They're to do two too well. As I said, when I first saw this film. I enjoyed it. I think it's main growing quality is it does a lot of really interesting d- degrees of world building in the same level that a world is built in Escape from New York. It has the same quality of of initial world building as John Carpenter is able to do or has James Cameron's able to do in Terminator. Uh the set design in this is really enthralling it does look like mr coffee quite often looks that's a really plastic quality mm-hmm. but you know you get hr geiger in one of his first more significant major that's the hr geiger alarm going off if you guys can hear in the background every time he say his name four times alarm goes off um yeah you know, this is like the, the one of the first times you really got got a good look at an HR Geiger thing and a kind of a, like a real pure horror. Mm-hmm. And so you get really... So so watching this, you know, seeing that Xenomorph and seeing that Facehugger, like, they are they have such a unique quality to them. They don't... You know, the Facehugger kind of has a spidery quality mm-hmm. to it. And, you know, Xenomorph's bipedal for the most part. But it doesn't look like anything you've really seen before. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Nostroma doesn't even look like a ship that should function. It looks like, like four pyramids stuck together. <laughs> um, so I was entertained when I watched this. I mean, I love the acid blood idea. And after that, I, you know, I saw this right a, a few years after um, Alien 3 had come out. So before Alien Resurrection, after Alien 3. And so I, I naturally watched Aliens, which I thought was okay, and Alien 3. Which I actually enjoy mm-hmm. a lot because it's more—it's got that claustrophobia mm-hmm. um, that Alien Three had. I mean, the Alien had that Aliens Lost, um, and then when Alien Resurrection came out, I, I saw it as well. Um, and it kind of sat there. I was really into like just the story and all that, but sometime in college, with the rise of websites delving deep <laughs> into describing the world's that, you know, happens in any sci-fi films. Um, I found myself drawn to Alien. I found myself drawn to why a xenomorph looks the way it does, and why a xenomorph looks different depending on who it comes from, and why it has acid blood, and why Ye- Waylon Utani is so interested in it. And this, I realized, is my nerd film i think a lot of people attach themselves to something they attach themselves to like a star trek or star wars a simpsons blah 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 alien is huh. it for me i cannot help but find myself enthralled by every possible bit of weird media that's attached to Alien and it's 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 beyond the scope of Ridley Scott. Like Ridley Scott for some reason decided that he was going to retake ownership of it mm-hmm. and made Prometheus, a movie that I was super stoked for and that looks real pretty, but that if you had any if you were a real stalwart nerd of the ideas of what Alien should be and what his creation should was becoming didn't make you happy mm-hmm. when he just, you know, made the engineers
0: Oh, the engineers and, are awesome! Oh my
1: god! Yeah, it's fine, but don't make them the space jockeys.
0: I love the engineers.
1: Don't make them like this small little humanoid looking. The and, and that's the thing. That's why this is on my list is because like the space jockeys have this unique little like elephant trunk look to them. People are like, oh, what's their deal? Like you know, we got this idea that they're the progenitors of of humanity or, or creators of the aliens or maybe like they were using the aliens like as a weapon. Yeah, um, sort of thing. Which I guess that doesn't even end up happening um, and it just, they're, just a suit they're wearing They look like people And they have a black goo They have a black goo And it turns out that Michael Fassbender Made, made the aliens
0: But he definitely killed them
1: No he made the well, we killed No, the engineers, no he made, he made the xenomorphs Yeah so That's the thing You don't think Michael Fassbender could make some xenomorphs? I I watch Star Wars The Last Jedi and listen to Star Wars fans get really upset about that and I go, it's it's fine. It's a perfect movie. Yeah, I I get it. I can see where you're coming from. But I watch Alien Covenant and Prometheus and I go, you fucking piece of shit, Mike Ridley Scott. You don't like
0: the alien raising its its newborn arms up to Billy Crudup? Or to Michael
1: Fassbender? Actually, I did like that part. It reminds me of... um, Oh, there's this, like, old... There was this cartoon in the 90s. I can't remember what it was, but, like, the alien does... No, it was, it was a movie where the alien does putting on the Ritz. What movie is that? Oh, it's from Spaceballs.
0: Yeah. When the ch- they do the chest... It's John Hurt again. Yeah. And the guy comes... The, the alien comes out, and then it's like... Yeah, it's Spaceballs, right. And then it's... Yeah. Um,
1: when it raises its hands like that, uh, I really was like... It's the putting on the Ritz alien. Hey, they they brought it back. They brought the puppets back. I wonder if that's... Do you think that's intentional? I bet you... I wonder if that's intentional. I mean, I don't think Ridley Scott would have done that intentionally, but I I did see that going like, it's going to be putting on the Ritz. An homage to Spaceballs? No, I don't think it did. I blow you finger. But I find myself obsessed with this franchise For no real good reason, besides the fact that you know, I mean, I would never call this one of the pinnacles of 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 cinema. I mean, it's one of the best like mixtures of sci-fi and horror. Like, if you're going to blend those two, top ten because we have like 30 films to choose from. Um, Yeah, you don't even have. Yeah, you don't have a lot of that. (laughs) But like, has a film that exists by itself. It's it's solid. It's really entertaining but has something that creates just enough intrigue and cr- leads on, just taps you just enough to, you know, build to something more, this has become a, a slight obsession for me. Hmm. I know I look at the Alien-like Wikipedia page, like not Wikipedia, but the Alien-like Wikia, a lot, an obsessive amount, because it's just, it's so... There's just the minutia of this world that is and that people work on, and and, I was and, gonna and say, like even the fans like coming together and put into it. Like I know it's dumb, I know it's ridiculous, but it is it is my one
0: time yeah, yeah, where I, I, I can it.
1: touch this. I can touch something that is like the Star Wars or the Star yeah, Trek, yeah, yeah. and just be like, I get it. I fucking get. It. I am, you know, I am. Bill Murray at the end of Scrooged, and I get it. <laughs> um, I wonder if it's because
0: there's never been... You know how in Star Wars and Star Trek, and even in like the Lord of the Rings, there's been an attempt for um, a kind of hegemony over the ideas, where there's an official canon and there's unofficial canon, and a lot of stuff comes from, you know, sanctioned Lucas, you know, Star Wars stuff or from, you know, Star Trek stuff. I mean, I'm not a Star Trek guy, Star Trek stuff. Or there's, you know, there's the Silmarillion and there's like all this
1: unreleased um, Tolkien stuff that's been collected. Like Are J, Or like J. R. Rol- J. Rol- uh, am I J.K. Rowling. J. K. Rowling going like, nope, this is exactly what's happening. Oh, yeah. J.K.
0: Rowling doing the website being like, oh, no, the Dumbledore is gay. Hermione was maybe this. Anytime blah, blah, blah. somebody,
1: anytime somebody has like some sort of like theory, she's like yes or no. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly.
0: Um, this is seems... looser.
1: This is so much looser, and it
0: seems to have developed through the fans more so than like a corporation that owned it, because like especially now, especially now that Disney probably doesn't give a shit about this movie. Well, because who originally put this movie out? Oh, uh, this was Fox. So Fox is a Century Bob. Fox in nineteen. What is it? Eighty seven. 1979. Oh, right. I don't know why I said 87. Um, Fox in 1979 was not in the process, probably, of doing a lot of ancillary world building for their movies. And Ridley Scott very quickly abandoned this stuff in the same way that James Cameron, who you would think would be interested in doing a lot of world building, jumped ship after aliens. You know what I mean? Yeah, he probably did aliens to get the money for Terminator. Right. So all this extra work has been done the Abyss. through you guys. And maybe maybe you don't want me to lump you in with all of those people because maybe you didn't I mean, write all the fan fiction or update I mean, the. Wikis I'm not going to take credit for have it. all the conversations. I'm not going to take credit
1: for it, but I... I you know, Nobody, I, I definitely I definitely am proud to sit with my Xenomorphian brethren. Well, that's an inter- it's an interesting juxtaposition to Seven,
0: where like there's nothing underneath. I would be anyone who decides on Reddit that like they need to go into how all this stuff works is watching this movie incorrectly, but I think. And this doesn't make me appreciate the movie. I still don't understand why anyone really likes this movie. Um, I mean, I guess I understand it. I just don't find it scary, and I don't really find it all that interesting. I find it very indicative of 1979 practical effects, where, there like, is...
1: things happen because they didn't have any other way to do it. No, I think, I think the only kind of scary scenes in this are the one shot where, like, the only, like, the obvious band suit kind of, like, reaches its hands out. It's <laughs> kind of like... Just, like, how weirdly shocked like how bright that is all of a sudden like it's so it looks very like mucusy. but that alien that has how mucusy it looks is yes but that alien has a human hand oh no absolutely <laughs> um but like the mucusy quality of that's scary and also just the the deleted egg morphing scene like like the implications of you know
0: well, so Tom so I Scare just going, I just you, want know. Me.
1: Has, yeah. you know Harry Dean Stanton slowly transformed into an egg Maybe it's Which also, like, pisses me off, too. I'm like, when James Cameron, like, goes and goes, no, this queen creates the egg. Like, that's what I like, too, is a lot of people, a lot of, like, the fandom of this at times just goes like, no, we're good. We're good with, like, we don't, like... Ridley Scott Scott will say, like, I'm doing this, and they'll just go... Yeah, we don't care. That's a part of it, I guess. But yeah, there's no canon. There is no official canon. Yeah, and I
0: feel like it just... This was something... I feel like I just read something about this. I don't remember what it is, so I'm not going to spend that much time on it. But, yeah, the idea that, like... Um, you could add to it, or you can pick and choose what you've just... Or, or maybe this is the exact same thing that happened with, like, Last Jedi. Like, people just choose not to... ignore, like, um, Like, not my Luke. The whole not my Luke thing. You know what I mean? Like, everyone has an idea of what Luke was supposed to be and then um, Ryan Johnson ruined it for them and now they've just decided that like well Luke isn't that, Luke is this you know this is canon, this isn't canon, blah 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 um, the other thing, there isn't like necessarily one canon to this movie oh but I was talking about the problems I had with this movie so like the problems I have with this movie I think because I, I wasn't into the canon I wasn't into any of the extra stuff so I, you know in the same way that I could appreciate something like Covenant because the visuals got better like, all of a sudden, and they made more physical sense than they did in, like, Alien, or Aliens, which I think is a, a even worse movie than Alien, but, like... Aliens is
1: objectively a worse movie than Alien. I mean,
0: it, I just no, I'm, I'm gonna say that right now.
1: He it's, built it's, an
0: amusement park ride and just put an alien head on it, and then just hoped that Sigourney Weaver could convince people that something was bad. I mean,
1: it has more interesting actors in it, and I think, like, the, there's more charismatic and fun actors, like, you know... Game over, man. Game over. Still one of the greatest but It's also and like lo- Michael Bean's like fun to watch in it. Yeah, but, but it's if... also long, and, and it's just an action movie. Dark take...
0: and there's so many establishing shots of like the outside. Even though and you like, get a we're side plot up. with
1: Hall Riser that we don't give a fuck about yeah, to be yeah. honest.
0: But like I couldn't when I was watched because I watched it late because I didn't care. So when like the chest bursting scene happens, I'm like, that's a puppet. They couldn't do anything there. Like all they could do was have this. Someone's underneath that guy, sticking an alien out of this guy's chest.
1: It does you know look. I mean? It does look like it parts. It, I mean, you don't see it because I rewatched the scene several times to see, it, but it does feel like it's so stiff that it feels like you can almost see like the stick holding yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then the puppet runs away. And then the weird scene when he gets harried, the alien gets harried in Staten. When like the alien for some reason is like standing on the wall, and like you get to see enough of the alien standing on the wall to say, to notice that like that's not natural. That There's no way that Alien would be standing on that wall. Like, Why wouldn't he just get on the floor? The floor is right there. He's right in Harry Dean Stanton's face. He's a xenomorph, man. He has to take one step, and he's on the floor, and he can just eat him. Why is he... He needs to
1: put his penis mouth through his brain so he can turn him into an egg. But he could have done that anyway. He could have done that standing up. But the point, I think, is that it looks really unnatural. He's, it's, it's probably a transdimensional being. That needs that wants to salt the meat, but he can't do that standing up. No, well, because he needs to scare him. That's salting it
0: with the fear. Mm-hmm. So now it's a Stephen King book. Yeah. Or, but but we've talked about this a number of times. The the scene I could never get over is the last scene of the movie when the alien is stuck in the pod with with Ripley, and that's falling asleep. The strobe is going and stuff like that, and you get. You know, I don't know how long it actually is, but it feels like a minute and a half of the alien,
1: like, kind of struggling out of that little space that it's left. It seems it's like, like it's a sli- like fallen asleep and is just, like, annoyed that it's been woken up. It's not,
0: like, it ceases. So I think. It doesn't th- seem scary. It seems like it needs to, like, do I some yoga. The problem is that the movie is shot so well that, like, you really kind of believe. Like, I think the, blood, the acid blood stuff, I think, is the most, in the face sucker stuff. When the face, face hugger,
1: hugger face hugger is on his face, like just like resting on his face, that looks really and good. The entire like surgery scene, like when they try to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. try to pull it off and just, you know, because it's real gets the grip. and it's yeah. shot
0: so well that you're like, holy shit, that looks real. But it's the stuff that might not look so real never looks even kind of real, and so it always I've always found this movie to be very very frustrating. That's why like I think three is a good movie, and I love Alien Resurrection. Because by then they had nailed.
1: Wait, I mean, I'm looking right now. as you You're looking at it? I'm looking at the newborn. Most horrifying thing in the <laughs> like, world, like easily the scariest thing in that entire series of films is the newborn from Alien Resurrection. Sigourney Reaver petting so... it before it gets sucked into space is just yeah, it's like crying out so lonely. So horrifying. The Whew. No, and that's 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 what compels me about this entire series. It's just like those. Look at those four, like the four initial films. You know. Aliens, this really claustrophobic, grounded horror film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aliens is just this kind of like amusement park ride. Mm-hmm. Um, Alien three kind of like returns to that claustrophobia, but it's kind of more of like this kind of like dirty, grimy group experience. Um, and then Alien Resurrection is just this like fucked up body horror sort of. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. You know, each of these, and they're so independently, like. Diff, like dissident from one another they, well, they're they're, he, they're, they're all one hundred percent in oh, their, their director yeah exactly um you know and all four are directed by you know one talented director one director and then two extremely good directors go fuck yourself cameron um we will not be reviewing the avatar movies on this podcast no hopefully the avatar movies don't even happen like even if they're done, I hope. Yeah, yeah. I hope Disney just goes like we're we're gonna shell yeah, these. We don't. Nobody cares. Yeah. We spent how much on these? A billion? Can you stick Thor in this? let will take a boss. Nah. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not even joking. True Lies is like the only James Cameron movie. I yeah, I love True at, Lies. Argumentatively, say I like True Lies is almost on my list. I love gonna, True Lies. I'm Terminator Two. I'm fucking, I can leave it. I, I just like don't Terminator care. Too. The effects yeah. don't do anything for me. And yeah. that, I think and that's all it is. And that's one of the reasons why I, I think I never responded like, to this Termi- movie. Terminator, Terminator is, is like alien for me and I just don't respond to it. Yeah. And I don't remember. I, I saw Piranha 2 years ago. I don't remember it. Um, <laughs> but that's that's the thing that, that draws me to this is like they could have such different takes. And then the fandom and whatnot could come in and, and do things and like the comics can come on and do things, and, and everything can be so different. It be come from this kind of like same brain trust, you know. And now how but do you, it builds such as like, you know, I, I pay respect to it because it builds this world that I just find eminently. How do you respond
0: to like the Predator like universe coll- collision? That's fine. Yeah, I mean, is it I think the, it comics, the comics. The
1: comics are good. The movies are terrible was well, so the
0: idea that the predator and the alien can exist in the same universe makes i'm Muts. not i'm not gonna say make sense in like the standard way it makes sense but like you don't have any problem with the idea that no, like if, predator and alien you know, are you, both know you, here. you
1: wish i mean i wish i had a better movie for it you know mm-hmm. um some of the video games are apparently good yeah. uh speaking of like that's another thing like it led to an like, a really excellent, although slightly overlong, video game with Alien Isolation. Like, every... This this has f- been the brainchild that has created such a, like, media... This small, almost, media empire. Uh-huh. That has just been something that has consistently been a part of my life well, growing up And now.
0: that's so weird, because I think when they made, like, Prometheus and... Covenant, they assume there is a built-in audience for these movies, and there inherently is a built-in audience for these movies. It's just but not, there's not gigantic. There's, it's exactly. It it's is not very a very dedicated. You cannot
1: make a one hundred and twenty million dollars movie because you only have ninety million dollars worth of people who right. are in that and world. And they're
0: not. And there are ninety million people uh, dollars worth of people that are in that world, but only forty five million of them are going to be happy about it. Yeah. Or are
1: going to be happy about what you did.
0: Or are going to be indifferent enough about what you did to kind of yeah that's the thing try to
1: to accept it or build it into to build like it the into mythos. the thing and everyone else is just going to be like this is garbage I'm good with these well which and that's the thing that that I that I, I found funny too though is is this is the one sort of thing with that kind of community where it kind of just seems like that sort of shit instead of being like like losing their mind and being like you destroyed it they're just like we're going to just ignore it yeah we're just going to pretend this doesn't exist yeah which
0: is always to be like the best way of handling we'll it. We'll take Katherine Waterston, but everything else is is out.
1: You can Danny McBride. People like Danny McBride in those movies. I thought Michael Fassbender was really good at that. No, but I don't think thing. he, he but did that's it. the thing like people try to build that like like people love that like the David aspect of it or the like the growth and and thoughts of like the android aspects like of get built worked into the mythology. Yeah. People then just kind of ignore the fact that like this evil villain android created the aliens. They're like no. We're not going to do that. <laughs> well, they're over. It's it's
0: funny because it's an overcomplication of something that started really simple. Yeah. And then, like, David Fincher, I suppose, like, kicked it into high gear with its complication because he turned it into, like, I don't know. What did I see online that's like a Christ metaphor? Yeah. Like, yeah. by the end of the movie. And then, and then, um, Genu just, like, bounced <laughs> so, it into high gear. And now Sigourney Weaver is, like, the the mother of, like, an alien human hybrid. Um, but is aesthetically awesome, so we
1: decide to go with it. Um, it has like the yeah. first one that's actually like finally super gory. Yeah, that's what I love about *Alien Resurrection*. That's an actual like horror movie, and yeah. people shit on Alien... I think people are finally starting to come around the *Alien Resurrection*. *Alien Resurrection* it, is it's, crazy. It's crazy, but so much fucking fun. And even like the Winona Ryder thing, like how they just and stuck also, her like, in a movie because
0: she was popular. It's like, but she really works. Yeah, like that has, first like, introduction best... to a David type
1: person is actually really done, it has kind the of perfectly. Best kill on an alien movie where he grabs his head and sticks it next to yeah. his chest as the chest burster comes out, and somehow is strong enough to also burst through that guy's brain. Yeah, Ugh. awesome. No, and that's it's just like that's the thing is like there's so much like innovation and and, and you know creativity that's arising in this world coming from this kind of like really sm- it is small small film, like you don't see people doing this for as I mentioned, escape from New York and escape from l a like those both have are like the warriors. those types of films have the same sort of like our purge warriors. you know or the purge or whatnot they're they're very similar in the sense that they're they're really weird, unique worlds that have the same amount of subtext and um you know development to them. but those just kind of exist unto themselves whereas this thing you know was able to just blossom into this this i mean and what do you think about this bonzo world the idea that it's i
0: don't know why i'm moving my microphone over so much the idea that this movie is so simple but has all these really tantalizing things in it yeah that people when you watch it they just kind of want them explained like why does this look like this and why is the alien processing
1: like... how much mineral ore and why is it just doing that on a ship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. why are they landing here and why is it LV? What? Why is it obviously there's a bunch of other they have a name for this planet, so there's a hundreds of other planets. Well, like they yeah, because they're coming from something, and, what's and she's alien? going someplace. Yeah. So, and, like, to see the space shocking, like, that's it, they don't mention it again. It's like, well, what's that thing? And it's like, how those aliens, like, how did the, the xenomorph eggs even get there? Yeah, yeah. You know, and like, well, how's the... And, you, know, you don't know how the eggs were created in the original film because they, they delete the egg morphing scene. It's like, how did that happen, you know? Why does it have acid blood? Like, why is that its defense mechanism? Well, yeah, exactly. So that's a good
0: defense mechanism.
1: And like, well, you know, like, how's Whalen Utami know about this? And what is Whalen Utami? It's like, it's like this weird... Like, yeah, it, it raises a lot of questions. And it's just like... I think initially it's just, you know, hand-waving to get a, a fun sci-fi story, but... It does enough weird shit in terms of, like, creating this massive world that just exists. Um, Well, inspires you guys. I don't know. Again, I don't want to say you guys. Like, you're one of the... Like, whatever. But, like, to ask... Well, I I did write the first draft of the Alien Resurrection screenplay. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. You were a screenplay prodigy. Um, Never wrote again. That's how we can afford the Pivotal Film Tower here. I I wrote Bubble Boy... And then I was never again allowed to be... It's <laughs> for the best.
0: It's for the best.
1: But yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal blacklisted me. Oh, man. What the heck, Jake Gyllenhaal? Um, but yeah, no, like, it's just... That was that worm. It's that... It's that yeah, latched like, on. Talking about Star, Star, Stargate. I guess Stargate actually is also another thing. I mean, it didn't latch on to me. But Stargate latched on to a bunch of people. It's just mm-hmm. a stupid in Emmerich. Action movie. They're it all led stupid, rolling But it led, on, it led to like three spinoffs and a bunch of books, and people like are obsessed hey, with Stargate too. James Spader got worked because of Stargate. Oh sequence. no, I respect that. And Richard Dean Anderson in the TV Which, shows. It's a positive. Yeah, but you know, I it is it is the film, like I said, that that makes me get it. That mm-hmm. makes me get the nerd, the, the, the comic con nerd. I not like I said, a Marvel guy, not anything of that sort of guy. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm glad we found it. I'm, I'm glad we've stumbled across like your thing. Well, I've told you about this before, and you just always shut me down because you don't want to. You don't want to hear hear about well, Star Wars.
0: Yeah, but it's the same thing. <laughs> exactly. it's the same way that
1: you treat me when I talk about uh, Star Wars, it's how I treat no, me when we talk about
0: aliens. The Dark Tower, or the dark, well, Dar- the, dark, more the dark Tower. We're just just like I don't care because I don't get it. Like yeah. I don't understand. Like I don't. It doesn't mean anything to me. Um, you know, just baby aliens. That's. That's all I want to see. That's all I want to see, oh, Mario. <sighs> oh, it, was so t- <laughs> it
1: was so <laughs> terrifying. It's just a skeleton. Fucking cream-colored skeleton. Whew. They get sucked out. It's baby. It doesn't even know what it's doing. Yeah, That's, no. that's such a sad ending. That was awesome. If you take anything from this, re-watch Alien Resurrection and be like, oh, man, we really shit on this movie for no real reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron Perlman lives, too. He always makes it. Almost always, yeah, I guess you're right. Ron Proulx uh, the not, best. non Sons of Anarchy. Um, if you want to talk to us about shitty motorcycle Run. TV shows.
0: Mayans. <laughs> <yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up because I was like, is this, it actually is apparently, I guess it is a spinoff of Sons of Anarchy. What, uh, did, we, did we ask for that? People? Did people want that? They people like, liked Sons of Anarchy. Like, I mean, Charlie, who Katie Siegel needs
0: more work. I think Katie Siegel does need more work. I'm not sure anyone asked for Charlie Hunnam to do anything after that show, but,
1: but he, he keeps Toro making did. movies.
0: Does so. he? Yeah, he's always in a movie. I didn't seen him in it. He was in that Triple Frontier movie, right? Oh, right. He's in another movie, I think, that's coming out. Like, another
1: action movie. I think they think they can turn him into something. I'm sure they'll add him into the next they haven't Fast and Burthing- the Furious They haven't Sam Worthington yet? You think he'll show up in Avatar? Like, he'll replace Sam Worthington? No, they just replace Sam Worthington with, like, his face and some digital effects. Sam Worthington's in those sequels. There's no way Sam Worthington is still a person. Like, in existence? Yep. Probably not. If you're Sam Worthington, you want to tell us about how you still (laughs) exist. You can do so at slash <laughs> film pivotal, Or you could send us an email
0: uh Sam Worthington. We there, because no one else is emailing us. Now we just want to hear from Sam Worthington. At pivotalfilmpodcast@gmail.com. By gmail. the way, com. if
1: you ask you will not get you're not going to get a guest spot on this podcast.
0: Why? Why would no?
1: We want to have Sam what Worthington did, on. What does he have to offer us? We want him to explain himself. How is he here? Cuz he clearly is just a Listen. collection of I don't want I don't want to fall asleep during this podcast and that's the easiest way for that to happen <laughs> um, or you can go to PivotalFilm.com
0: if we ever get Sam Worthington on the show we'll take a picture, we'll post it to PivotalFilm.com and uh, you can see all the other pictures, it'll um, be
1: Tom and Sam Worthington really, I won't even be here, we record really at my pictures? house
0: and I will not be home <laughs> um, or how to subscribe or listen to the beers we drank or the movies on our list uh, but until then, go see a movie drink a beer and we will talk to you next week